0: Episode 39 of the Pilot to Pilot Podcast takes off now. What is going on, AV Nation, and welcome back to the Pilot to Pilot Podcast. My name is Justin, and I am your host, Today, I'm talking with AJ, aka TMT Pilot from Instagram, aka Floyd Mayweather's Pilot. Now, you might wanna know, how do you become Floyd Mayweather's Pilot? Well, in today's podcast, we talk all about it. We talk about how AJ wanted to become a pilot, how getting your dream job comes down to what kind of person you are and the integrity that you have. AJ and I talk about how now is the perfect time to get into aviation and how there is no norm in aviation anymore. Anything goes when hiring. We talk about what it's like to fly Gulfstream, what it's like to fly Floyd Money Mayweather, and how to get the dream job of your dreams. Aviation, you do not want to miss this episode. AJ has just great insight on whether it's just life or how to become a pilot or how to handle yourself and just what it's like to be a corporate pilot flying internationally domestically all over the world and flying one of the richest athletes and most prominent athletes in the whole world. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. We currently have 173 reviews on iTunes. I'm trying to get it up to 200 before the end of the month. I know the aviation is strong, and I know that we can do it. So go ahead and leave some reviews. Also, if you want to support the podcast, head over to patreoncom pilot2pilot. I've changed the reward tiers up a little bit, so go ahead and check those out. Specifically, the $20 and the $5 reward. The $20 reward, you now get a Pilot The Pilot sticker, and you also get your name in the credits at the end of every single episode, and the five dollar reward you will be able to be on uh, the beginning of the episode with the what's going on avi nation i want everyone to record their own that's in a five dollar support group and then you will be on the podcast so we'll get about five or five to ten each episode It'll just be a bunch of what's going on avi nations so go ahead and check those out let me know what you think and if you can also donate via paypal on the website it's our chick-fil-a fund underneath the website so go ahead and check that out avi nation i won't keep you any longer without further ado here's aj tmt pilot AJ, what is going on? Thanks for coming on the Pilot, the Pilot Podcast.
1: My pleasure. How you doing today, man? Doing well. i fantastic, man. I am. I'm at home getting some R and R. Just pulled uh, a couple weeks on the road. I think we did something like nine cities in about 14 days. Oh dang! That's <laughs> so crazy. Uh, yeah, kind of, kind of, uh, kind of just getting some much needed R and R, catching up on some things before we head back out again.
0: That's awesome, man. Well, uh, first thing I always ask everyone is uh, the same question, and it's uh, what got you in aviation? Why did you want to start flying?
1: My, uh, I have wanted to be a pilot since I can honestly remember. I, I remember being like three to four years old and being just so interested in, in all aspects of aviation. You know, I obviously remember the first time on an airliner where I got to go see the cockpit and got my sticker on my shirt. You know, like uh, I just just always been drawn to it since I can remember. Uh but I really, really started to get even more so serious about it in middle school, actually. Uh my granddad was a, a World War Two veteran. He worked on Mitchell bombers in World War Two and and uh he also had a, a big enthusiasm for for aircraft and aviation. So uh my reward for making good grades was he would take me to the airport and buy me a flight lesson at uh, Virginia Highlands Airport in Abingdon, Virginia, which is where I'm from. So nice. um I have just ever since then it was just it's just that or nothing, just that or bust, just being a pilot. And, uh, man, I, I, I uh, haven't looked back a day since. And so, uh, I definitely think it was a calling for me. Um, it just felt like home every time I was in the cockpit. So I, uh, went after it wholeheartedly and it's, uh, it's been a, it turned out to be a great career for, for me.
0: Oh, awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, so you took your first lesson in middle school or was it just like an intro flight type deal?
1: Uh I actually took my first intro flight in like elementary school. I think I was oh, in, like dang. third grade. Yeah, so the first you time joking. I got you really know yeah, what do. <laughs> yeah, I actually have a actually have a photo of uh, Preston Harris. That was the guy's name. Uh and uh I think I was I think I may have been in third or fourth grade the first time I rode in a Skyhawk. And uh we were it was actually an issue because of course I couldn't even see over the panel, but <laughs> I didn't need to. Right. <laughs> I just wanted to be in the plane. So that's cool. It was great. It was fantastic.
0: Uh, So how far was it from your intro flights and elementary school until you like actually started training like full heartedly, like a hundred percent going after it?
1: Uh, So as soon as I got out of high school, uh, as soon as I finished high school, uh, my dad's company got bought out and I had the opportunity to, uh, to uh, stay in Virginia and go to college or move to Atlanta, Georgia uh, with them. And so it presented an opportunity that there are obviously a lot of flight schools uh, around the Atlanta area. uh, And I really wanted to to kind of go after training full time, and and one of the one of the one of the kind of fundamental aspects that I had in mind when when I went into aircraft training was or, or, or pilot training was stay out of debt. Yeah, <laughs> and and you know it's just so expensive, and and so you know I, I held a job. Uh, I went to moved to Atlanta and, and went to uh, took classes part time to continue working towards a degree. Obviously, I mean, you don't have to have a four year degree to be a pilot, but it, it is very beneficial. Most of uh, majors and, and a lot of Fortune companies do require that. So uh, I enrolled part time in, in college and and started training uh, once I got settled in in Atlanta at Peachtree Cab Flight Academy. Oh, cool. Uh, and and then held a held a job in the meantime. So it was a very busy time, but uh, it, uh, it it actually that that kind of story ties in with how I got where I am today because the initial CFI that I had uh, actually had two very memorable ones: Gene Rorg and, and Patrick McFarlane. Uh, both of them were kind of newer instructors as well. And, and both of them are 10, once 10 and I think 14 years older than me. So they took a real genuine interest in in my enthusiasm for it and and really went out of their way to mentor me and and teach me everything they could about not just the flying, but the business. Um, And uh, that relationship, both of those relationships are are what kind of propelled me to my current job almost eight years later.
0: (laughs) Oh, cool. Yeah. It's funny how it works out
1: like that. That's a lot of it's a lot of stories. Success stories in aviation revolve around, uh, you know, friendships and and networking and and just being a good guy. I mean, yeah. just being you know, just being somebody people can work with.
0: Yep, exactly. <laughs> that's kind of what it's all about. Um, so going back to your training, and I really liked how you said that you wanted to do this without going in a debt or too much debt at all. Um, what kind of jobs did you work that were that let you pay off while you're flying? Or pay off some of the the loans or whatever you did to pay for flying
1: <laughs> so the my first job ever I will never forget uh when I really knew obviously uh uh that flying was expensive um <laughs> I got my first job in the eighth grade i got I had to go get a worker's permit dang uh, yeah so I, I sold christmas trees uh during christmas season That's at awesome. a uh, at Country Boy Produce in Abingdon. So Abingdon is like this two exit, three exit town in, in Appalachia area, Virginia, Southwest yeah. Virginia. So, uh, I sold Christmas trees and saved up money, you know, what I could at 515 an hour. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. I did that. And then I worked there through the summers and we, we, uh, they sold produce and flowers and all sorts of stuff. And, uh, but, uh, it was great. You know, it helped it, 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 it it all added up after a while. And so from there, um, I held that job almost all the way through high school. And then when I came to Atlanta, uh, I was also, a, I'm also a musician. I've I played drums and guitar, uh, since, uh, middle school, I think sixth grade. So, uh, I actually went to work at the guitar center, Atlanta off North Druid Hills. Oh, cool. And so, uh, yeah, so I sold, uh, when I wasn't taking flying lessons, I was uh, selling drums and guitars.
0: That's awesome. So, my first yeah. job was also selling Christmas trees, and it was at a place called Hillbilly Produce in Charlotte, North nice. Carolina, which is like very similar to what you just told me. Nice. So, I was like, I was yeah, having yeah. flashbacks to doing that. It was yeah. probably my one of my favorite jobs I ever had because everyone was so happy and it smelled like Christmas all the time. So, it was a great job. True, yeah. Yeah. And in the
1: summertime, <laughs> our, our shop smelled like peaches and like fruits and stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of memories made there for That's sure. Cool, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny we have that in common
0: i know right and then we what did we say we found out that my best friend you knew you know who my best friend is too and we've never met before so it's like crazy small yeah, world small world but yeah that's cool what was training like so um did you have any issues with your training did you have bad flight instructors did you have to repeat many lessons or anything kind of what was the gist to your training
1: no i i had a i was very fortunate you know i um you know, one of the concerns about some of the smaller Part 61 schools is quality of instruction. Or, and, uh, you know, obviously, uh, unfortunately, that might be the case in some places. I, I feel very fortunate that I had I, I feel like all my instructors along the way had had certain things that were unique about them or, or made them made them special. And uh, I, I I didn't have a lot of those issues. And I did all my training Part 61. Uh, nice. I didn't go up Big academy or, or uh, Embry Riddle or ATP. I certainly respect those programs. I think they're wonderful and and they, they certainly serve their purpose. Uh, but I did not have that path. So, um, but I, I I to to date I really don't think I've had any bad instructors. I think each one of them I can almost go down the list and come up with at least one good memory or, or one one really admirable aspect of their teaching that I later reflected on when in my time as a CFI.
0: Exactly, so. and I I like how you said that or like how you're talking about how you did 61 and how it just didn't fit with what you wanted to do. Because I feel like a lot of times now people are getting kind of suckered into the 141 world and taking lots of loans, lots of debt, and they're kind of putting themselves in a position that they don't necessarily have to. Now, 141 does have its advantages to 61 in like hour remarks, and you can get hired by a regional with, what is it, a 1,000 hours or 1,250 rather. 61, you get that 1,500. But you don't have to go that route. There are other routes. You don't have to have 100 $50,000 in student loans when you get done, you know, so.
1: You don't, you absolutely don't. And and you don't have to have those names on your resume to get a job either. And, and, um, again, these are, I'm not knocking. I'm just saying my suggestion to anybody interested in flight training is just look at, look at your, like, look at your, look at what you want to do, you know, and come up with a realistic timeline that works for you. And, you know, is, is finishing a program within six months or a year and a half, you know, if you're talking about borrowing 40 or $60,000, the jobs are going to be there. The demand for pilots is just through the roof right now. There are opportunities on every front of aviation right now. You know, is it, is it better off to just, just kind of take your time and, and just, so you get out on the other side being a small ship with a huge rudder, you know, you get to, you don't have that pressure over you to just, to just have to find a job. You know, you, you might have afford yourself the opportunity to, to, uh, to go find exactly what you're looking for. I I think the biggest thing, my message to to anybody listening would just be just look at, look at all the options, you know, talk to people that have, that have done all part 61, talk to people that went 141, talk to people that went to Embry-Riddle, you know, talk to people that did the ATP track and, and just evaluate yourself. You know, what, what puts you in the best, you know, what's your definition of success? What do you want this to look like? Uh, and if that works for you, by all means, go do it. I think you're going to get great training. Uh, I, I work with, uh, two guys that went to Embry Riddle now in my current position and they're phenomenal pilots. They do a great job. Um, you know, but, uh, we all come from very different paths, but we all work together. And, uh, I think so much of it comes down to more than where you went to school or what you majored in or, or where you did your training is just your work ethic, your integrity, uh, your desire to learn, your curiosity, your, your, your willingness to be humble, uh, is really what's going to define you. Once you, once you get some experience as a pilot, those are the things that define you, uh, more than where you went to school.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent. I went to, I did both one forty one and sixty one. I did my private pilot license at Ohio State, part one forty one, and I did all the rest at a small airport in Charlotte. And I'd honestly say that part sixty one, I had more fun doing. I had more fun with flight training. You, it wasn't a strict regiment. You could have fun flights. You could just go run a plane whenever you wanted, and you could just have fun. Whereas one forty one's more of like, oh, you need to do this now, this now, this then, this now. You can't do this until we do that, and it's like I don't want to do the same thing over and over again. Like, what good does it have me doing? If I struggle at stalls or turn or steep turns or whatever for ten lessons in a row, I needed to like have a mental break and to go do something else.
1: Oh, absolutely! And you know, I and uh, Bur- I uh, I was a CFI, CFII, and MEI at Birmingham Flight Center in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, we were sixty one and one forty one. So, uh, and I was the chief flight instructor, basically over both sides of the of the coin. So, you know, it was really frustrating for me as an instructor. Uh, on the 141 side, when you've got that guy, you know, wanting to make a, a midlife career change or, or whatever, and he's he's trying to accelerate during you know through 141, but you can just tell he's just got too many, uh, just too much going on, man. It's just it's not the fit is not there, and you know the 61 the 61 track we can still have all the flexibility, but fly five times a week and get done almost just as fast,
0: right? And for half the you know, just that's some I think, <laughs> Again,
1: yeah, again, again. So there, I, I I just encourage people through my own experience. uh, you know, just really look at all the options, you know, don't rush into any one thing or let any one any one track convince you it's that or nothing. Because, man, there are success stories from every background in aviation imaginable.
0: That's true. <laughs> so without a doubt. And just from the people I talk to, it's like you don't have to be a CFI if you don't want to. There's other ways to build your hours. It might be harder to find a job, but there's other true. ways to do things. So, I mean. Ask people, listen to podcasts, listen to YouTube or watch YouTube. Just go to the airport and talk to people. Everyone's Absolutely. going to give you an honest opinion. No one's going to want to lie to you in this career. So I mean, just go talk.
1: Absolutely, and you know, kind of on that note, I get asked that question all the time. Like, do you have to be a CFI? You know what? What does it look like if you don't? And you know, again, I, I'm only speaking from my experience because there is no. This is not a one size fits all kind of kind of kind of business. You know. Uh, in my experience, I look back on my time as a CFI double I and MEI as the foundation personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, having to, you know, having come out on the other side of all my commercial certificates, kind of thinking, you know, something. And then you, you get this just completely green individual with all these hopes and dreams walk through the door. And all of a sudden you're being paid to teach them this and, and. It, if you properly respect, you're about to teach a human being how to fly metal through the sky. It's it's serious business (laughs) plan. You know, you really got to know your stuff. And and for me having that, not just the, not just having the, having the challenge of having to teach it and and explain it. Uh, that was phenomenal for me. That was great from a, from an acumen standpoint of, of what we do and flying, but the expertise, but working with people, you never know who is going to walk through that door. You know, every personality imaginable, um, from every walk of life, all all with this goal, right, of, of of learning to fly an aircraft, which very few people ever do, and 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 so I think the biggest thing for me is it, is it trained me how to work with people, right, and how to how to connect with people and 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 uh, how to understand and be patient. It, it challenged me on a much more personal level, on the backside of about 800 hours of dual given, you know that that uh, I I reflect on a lot even now. You know sometimes you use a contract pilot, or if you're in the airlines, you're you're, you're constantly you know changing crews and, and you're you're it's all about being able to work with people, you know, and connect with people. And so, um, I think there's a, it's a kind of a two sided benefit to being in your time as an instructor.
0: Oh yeah. without doubt. And there's some weird people that fly. So, I mean, it's like you said, you gotta, you <laughs> well, gotta be able to no adapt personalities. Like you don't know who you're no gonna fly doubt. with. And that, that's even true if you want to go regionals, airlines, corporate, like you're going to have multiple pilots. You don't get to choose who you fly with. The only way yeah. you can choose who you fly with is you say, hey, I don't want to fly with this person anymore. Or if you quit your job, no
1: Yeah, no <laughs> that's doubt, the only no control doubt. you have over
0: that. So, I mean, you have <laughs> to get sure. used to it. You have to adapt. And that's kind of what flying is all about is being able to adapt to situations, whether it's pilots, whether it's flying and weather, whether it's just maintenance stuff or whatever. You just have to learn to adapt.
1: I couldn't agree more. You know, your adaptability is, is very important. Yeah. so <laughs> did you always
0: want to be a cfi did you ever have any idea of uh choosing a different route or maybe do an aerial survey or freight or anything like that or was it always be a cfi uh
1: yeah you know i just i, I got very fortunate right around the time i was wrapping up undergrad um i, I got approached by uh the owner of the company bfc I'd, I'd been renting their airplanes for quite a while and and uh i uh he approached me about a job and you know i was coming right out of college and and uh you know, it's kind of an intimidating time because you're about to enter the real world. And I, I knew wholeheartedly I wanted to be a pilot and, and I'm probably thinking the same thing everybody else is, you know, I need to accumulate flight time. Uh, I don't want to, again, I, I don't want to take on any more debt. Uh, and, and this, this guy just gave me a great break and he was like, listen, you know, I've, I've we've known each other a couple of years. Uh, it's really starting to pick up around here and, and it's tough to find good instructors. And, and uh, you know, I'd love to kind of put you in charge of your future and what would your interest be in, coming on as a cfi working your way you know getting a couple of months under your belt and uh if everything's working out i'll help you get your double i nice uh and, at which point then i'll help you get your mei and i i there that turned out to be even to this day uh one of the best relationships i have in aviation nice. uh, uh, this individual really invested a lot of his time in me and, and and really he gave us several young guys that were there all of which have gone on to do really neat things in aviation um You know, he gave a lot of us our start and, and he invested a lot of his own time and money into us. Uh, he just asked that we, we be loyal and, and, uh, and do right by him. And it it turned out to be a a really fun work atmosphere. And he kind of put us all in charge of our futures. And so worked out really well for us.
0: Would you say it's normal for? Because I didn't, I didn't do the flight instructor role. I went aerial survey and freight, and that's how I built all my hours to where I'm now. But would you say it's normal for a flight school to to work with you and be like, hey, like you come on here and uh, maybe we can pay for your your double I or we'll pay for your mei? Is that normal or is it mostly? Do you think um, pilots having to pay for all those?
1: So a testament to how cyclical aviation is <laughs> depending upon how long you've been around it. You've seen it in yep. this climate. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in this climate right now, you, I mean, absolutely. I don't think it's unreasonable uh, to think that uh, a flight school would have to offer that. Uh, I mean, look at what these airlines are already offering transition uh, compensation for rotary guys out of the army. I mean, there is, um, is a tremendous amount of different paths, uh, right now that, that guys are going and, and, I don't think there is no norm right now. I think I think uh, <laughs> if businesses want to survive, yeah. especially on the flight school side of things, they're going to have to they're going to have to do what they what they've got to do to to get talent in there. And
0: I, I like how you said that there is no norm right now because I mean that, that's true. All the rules have been thrown out the window. They're doing whatever they can and anything they yeah. can to get pilots either in training or through training. I saw now that Republic the airline they actually are starting their own flight school. So I mean like everyone's trying to figure out a way the best way to get pilots and attack the shortage.
1: Absolutely. And that's why, you know, again, I, it's a great, it's a great time to be a pilot. I mean, if you look back, even when I started my training 2007, 2006, 2007 time frame, you know, I remember being at the flight school and there were, there were regional airline captains coming, putting resumes in to come back and instruct because the, you know, a lot of the airlines were furloughing. Yeah. It was not a good time to come out and be a pilot. I mean, yeah. it was a, those were tough times. So uh, it's tough to say there isn't no a norm, in my opinion. Really, right?
0: That's how it was when <laughs> so. I started my training in 2010. Is when I started training, and the flight instructors have been there for five, seven years. They're making like ten grand a year, fifteen grand a year. Just the the atmosphere around aviation wasn't very good. And like you said, yeah. it is cyclical. And what's funny now is that that was actually the best time to start flying because now we, you, and me, and anyone else that started back then, is entering. The probably the greatest pilot shortage that we airlines or just the world has really ever seen, so it's just who knows what's going to happen next and like we did say, this cyclical very well could drop back off in some amount of time depending on i know that the um, the f a a and Boeing are trying to come up with uh single pilot airplanes and stuff like that, so who knows what's going to happen in the future but as of right now it's just a tremendous time to get in
1: i I could not agree anymore uh man i, I don't I've been kind of following along this whole initiative for single for one pilot in an airplane and you know there's i feel like it resurfaces about every six months you hear some news about pilotless airplanes
0: yeah
1: you know i don't i know what the research might show or or what what the uh the mbas with laptops might calculate about (laughs) you know profits and all this sort of stuff but like are people really gonna do that and and furthermore you know who's gonna who's gonna want to be on the first flight hey this is the inaugural pilotless flight you know are you going to want to be on there
0: i'm right <laughs> i mean I, can, I guarantee you i don't want to be in it but i think that we're not That's going to right. have a choice i think that they're going to be like well, yeah. here's what you got and if you want to fly then we'll do that i think it's Absolutely. coming down the road i don't think it's necessarily going to be in the next 10 15 years but i i don't know i i don't want it to happen because i think two pilots is very important and i think it's necessary i mean the other day i was flying my, my, the jet i was flying full autopilot we had approach mode armed and it just did not intercept the localizer and just wanted to keep flying. And we were paying attention and we saw what was going to happen. And we saw that it started doing it, so immediately we just turned off the autopilot and started flying it in. What happens if there's there's no one in their cockpit to do that? Like the plane just yeah, gonna fly and, off.
1: So and there's there's always the Sully example. You know what? Uh, that entire plane full of people are alive because of a human being's right decision exactly. to um to to have about you know what was it like th- less than two minutes to think yeah. and make that decision. I mean yep. from from the time it from the initial time that the bird strike happened to the time he was in the Hudson River, it was like, it was, I think under two minutes. So, yeah. you know, would a computer have properly calculated that or would it have been default programmed to try to make Teterboro or JFK or LaGuardia or, or near a suitable runway? Well, there was no nearest suitable runway. It was the Hudson River. And, yeah. you know, I just asked myself, would a, would a computer have come up with that decision? <laughs> That's a good point. And I would have to say no. <laughs> I would have to agree. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of like to build on your point of, you know, having avionics abnormalities and some of this stuff. I mean, the reason we have all these checklists is because it's not uncommon. and There's a reason there's, there's so many avionics shops all over the country yeah. <laughs> because they, they do act up and yeah. uh, that's what we're trained to, to deal with. So. And I mean, uh, the,
0: the, avi- the, the automation is amazing. that What we have now, I mean, like if you just think where we've come in the last 40 years, 30, even probably 10 years, but it's like a calculator. It's as smart as you tell it to be. You know, you have right. to be the one behind the controls manipulating things and telling the plane what to do through the software. So there's still the pilot that's the pass through that has to be able to to catch it to make sure it's programmed right and that does everything correct. Totally. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen in a while because I want to keep my job. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, man. So, uh, coming on a flight instructor, you said you're the chief flight instructor. It sounds like you're pretty young to be the chief flight instructor. How old were you when you became the chief flight instructor? Twenty-six. Okay, cool. And then, uh, I think I had a, you...
1: thousand, oh, sorry, a thousand around a thousand, thousand or twelve hundred hours of of uh, dual given uh, around the time that, that promotion happened. What did you? When did you become a CFI? Uh, I got my CFI done in two thousand eleven. Oh, dang. So you really
0: like so, bought out and got all your hours as fast as you can. Yeah. That's awesome. I did. Cool, man. What was, what are some good stories that you have from instructing? Do you have like, uh, what, or what's your favorite part of instructing? I should say, was it just the satisfaction of like you taught that person how to fly or was it just seeing them come from zero to a hundred, getting their private?
1: It, it varies. I, I think, uh, you know, for me, I think I always enjoyed obviously the completion of it all. You know, you, you, uh, um, from zero to anywhere from 25 or 40 hours, wherever the student's going to solo, you know, that's a, that's a really special thing for them, you know? Right. So that's like a huge step of completion for them. And that's them kind of the real getting to the realization of, of their goals, which was to fly an airplane.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And so I, I really enjoyed the completion stages. I enjoyed watching them eventually solo. And, and I, I, uh, really enjoyed being a part of a check ride and watching them come back with their, certificate and and uh, you know just the expressions and the happiness and the joy of that is was great and then I have some students now that have really continued on and, and are all instructing themselves now and, and that's obviously really fulfilling that I was able to help somebody you know get on a career path that, that brings them fulfillment in their lives I mean that's right. a huge that's a huge compliment so uh, I would say those are you know some of my more memorable experiences uh, as an instructor man <laughs> <laughs> <Where is that? laughs> I think, you know, man, most memorable experience as a flight instructor, I think, would have to be going through. Um, man, I'm gonna why going to come back to this? That's that's <laughs> sounds a, good. I got, sounds good of, I got a lot. of those. Well, <laughs> did someone sad. try to kill you? Oh, every day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <That's laughs> you know, hilarious. like uh, I, I, in fact on that note, I guess I would share. I had, a, I had a situation with a student. We were just doing simple power on stalls and, and we'd briefed it, uh, armchair fluid before we went out and, and we, we go up and I demo it twice to him, you know, uh, man. And, and this guy just wasn't comfortable in the airplane. I mean, you can just tell he was kind of a nervous flyer and, and we go up and, and, uh, I walk him through, we're going through the, you know, pre-maneuver flows and we're making sure we've cleared the area and and it's time to do the maneuver, right? So we're, we're going up and I can just tell this guy's so tense. And when he felt the break, uh, he did about the opposite of everything I instructed him to do. <laughs> he pushed the rudder in, which inevitably put us right into a spin.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: <laughs> and so, which, Most CFIs have all been there and, you know, uh, eh, that was a pretty memorable event because obviously I did, I did take control of the aircraft and, and recover. And, and, uh, he was done after that. That was, that was the end of flight training. So. Was it really? <laughs> he gave up? Yeah. yeah he, he was, oh, that was I, I, I kind of knew it was coming. You know, yeah. when, when you instructed enough people, you can kind of tell like people that are just really nervous in the cockpit, like just, they, and it doesn't ease up at all. You know, you're constantly just kind of giving them that reassurance. You're, you're, you're kind of building them up and taking, you know, kind of letting them control some of the pace. And, but eventually you know, you, you have to hold down the, the expectations and you right. have to, those aren't, those aren't bendable. And yeah. and so if it's just not, it, sometimes it's just not there. And, and so, uh, this, this particular situation just did not work out. Yeah, I was like <laughs> I to say
0: know. that you, you can't fake yeah. it in flying, you know, it's like you either uh, know it or you don't like eventually you got to, you got to perform to a certain skill set and you have to do what you've been taught to do. Like, your checkride, it's either pass or fail. It's like they know, they've done so many of them, they know when you don't know what... It's like you said, you knew that he was tense. Like, you can sense it from a mile away that something's about to go down. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, you definitely can. Yeah. What was... um. What do you think is one thing that tricks most student pilots when they're going for their check ride on, to say like their private check ride? Do you think like you had a recurring theme of anyone that they struggled with, with the examiner or was it just the fact that they didn't know what to expect or did they, was there one thing that really struggled with them when they went to go take their check rides?
1: You know, I, I saw some of my best students that I, that I really, you know, that are the most memorable to me. There's just some people that just have that anxiety, test anxiety that they, they can be the most proficient student I've ever put up. But if they can't that on test day, they just get this anxiety that's just unshakable sometimes. You know, I I think that was something that, and you know, unfortunately you can, you can coach them and mentor them and, and support them. But like, that's a, there's not, there's only so much you can do as a CFI to, to help alleviate that. And so unfortunately there were just, sometimes you would see student pilots just get so nervous um about the about the entire process uh and you knew as an instructor you you know all the knowledge by far to be successful in this event but uh I, you know a lot of test anxiety oh. um just and, and what you know obviously what and what stings and most of the time when that sets in is they just speed things up they're talking really fast they you know they they blow past uh a, a, a something on the checklist or or uh you know, they just, they, they get moving too quick and, and that's just, you know, it's flying as a flow, it's a smooth, constant process, you know? Yeah. And so it's, you can almost see the unfortunately the riding on the wall and, and <laughs> um, yeah. So just test anxiety, I think was, yeah. it was a very common theme. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you as I got, as I got a little more experience as an instructor, if I didn't have the student that was really putting in the effort, um, I would give it time and I, I would, I would obviously set the expectations of, you know, If you want to keep the timeline you told me, you know, I'm going to have to see a little bit more studying, a little bit more preparedness, but really and truly, you know, you you kind of come to this point as an instructor where you're like, (laughs) the effort's just not there. You know, yeah, they're spending money, but either I'm failing to motivate them as the instructor, uh, or there's something else going on here, or or maybe we need to just put them with somebody else and see if they do better with, with another instructor. I mean, you do kind of get in those positions as an instructor where, you know, it, it is your, the FA is watching you. And so, taking on students that aren't—you know—it's kind of weird. Like they're spending all this money, but you can just tell they're not studying. And you're just kind of like, "What gives?" You know? (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's like, dude, you're dropping like twenty grand right now. It's like, put some effort in, man.
1: Right, right, right. And you do, and you will have those students where they just seem very complacent about the process, and 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 that's that's a hazardous attitude is complacency. And so, as an instructor, sometimes you have to make the difficult decision of, uh, you know, that's your income, but it's like, yeah, but it's just not there, too, right? Between and, and and this with a student. And so I'm going to have to let him go be with another instructor and see how he does there. I mean, mean, those are difficult, very difficult decisions to make.
0: Yeah. And when he passes red, like you're kind of on the line for what he does. It's like, if he ever messes anything up or does anything, they're like, well, his instructor is the one that taught him how to fly. So let's go back and get him for what we can get him for.
1: Pretty much. And and that's, that's another tough angle of being a CFI is, is, you know, the FA is watching your, your six pass rate. And if it does drop below a point, they will come and talk to you. So
0: crazy. One of the reasons why I didn't choose, because I didn't want I didn't choose to be a flight instructor because I didn't <laughs> didn't want my certificate to be on the line of what someone did when or someone does yeah. like ten years from now because they'd be like, well, who taught you how to fly? Justin did. Okay. He can't fly anymore.
1: It's like well, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, let's no. go let's go make Justin proof he can still to go to Shandell's, yeah. the South practice area. Yeah, when I'm an airline <laughs>
0: pilot or flying for whatever yeah. company, it's like no, 20 I don't years need later. yeah. I'm not doing that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Totally. I get it, man. Uh, I get it. Crazy.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, be eights on pylons. That was my least favorite one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Let's all right. They'll just call you the blue. Hey, tomorrow we got to do eights on pylons in a a Mooney (laughs) or or, or, or else.
0: (laughs) I don't fit in a Mooney. I'm not doing that. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. Oh, cool. So you did flight instructing for a little bit of time and then, um, what was the next job? What did you, what was your first job after flight instructing?
1: Yeah. So, so, uh, during my time of being an instructor, we also had several aircraft that we turbine aircraft that we managed, uh, and I started accumulating time in those. Uh, we had Pilatus, we had a Meridian, we had a couple of CJs, a Citation Six Hundred and Fifty, uh, King Air Three Hundred and Fifty. Um, and once I, you know, once I started accumulating north of a thousand to fifteen hundred hours around that that kind of mark, I started getting a lot of calls. You know, hey, we need a right seater and on this trip, or and so uh, I started getting a lot of exposure exposure that way, uh, to, tur- to, uh, turbine aircraft, more advanced airplanes. Uh, and so I was PIC on a Meridian. So I was getting, you know, I was getting a, a little bit of turbine time, mm-hmm. uh, PIC as well. Um, and then I get this phone call. I was at Dave's pizza in Homewood, Alabama. I will never forget this. You know, I, I uh, I was, you know, I was weighing my options, uh, about what was next in my career. And, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the, earlier in the podcast, uh, my initial CFI, one of the two of them, uh, Patrick, calls me up out of the blue and, and we'd, ma- we'd kind of maintain a, 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 an acquaintance, you know, from the time I met him in Atlanta till present day of, you know, which was over five years. We, we kind of main sh- maintained a friendship and acquaintance throughout that time. And he, he calls me up out of the blue and, and he was also still really good friends with uh, Gene, who I was flying a right seat in a 350 with. Uh, at the time. And I think Gene had kind of said, Hey, look, you know, if you're looking for, I think the initial call probably was Patrick calling Gene about an SIC position and Gene kind of saying, Hey, look, you know, AJ's obviously come, come, uh, a long way in, in, his, in his development. And, and, uh, I think he's at least worth the interview. And so, uh, Patrick called me and, uh, talked to me about a, a Gulfstream SIC position in Las Vegas. That's I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea it was for, um, I didn't really know a lot about it, uh, at the time but uh, they were looking for an an SIC only. And I'm looking at myself like, you know, I don't have, I'm (laughs) young. I got nothing to lose right now. Why don't I move to Las Vegas and take this job? You know, like it could turn out, you know, I think initially they had told me like, you know, it could last a year, it could last five years. We really don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty around the startup of it all. And and so um, I ended up, you know, I just kind of said, what the heck?
0: That's crazy. how many hours so, did you have when this when this was offered to you?
1: Uh like eighteen hundred something like that. Nineteen hundred hours when I got when it was first offered to That's me. Awesome. So, um, yeah. So I packed up my car on a Friday, <laughs> and you know, it, when, when with an opportunity like that, I, I kind of I'd gone back to Steve, uh, my boss, and I was like, listen, you know, I just got this phone, this insane phone call, and <laughs> and you know, I I'd, I'd put in two and a half years with him. He was like, man, you you can't say no to this. You Bro. you have to do it. We're happy to we support you. We're we're thrilled to see this happen for you, and so that was a you know obviously that was a very amicable departing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I packed my car up on nuts. a Friday and re- got drove to Vegas. Picked a buddy of mine up in Dallas, Texas, on the way to help with the driving, and got to Vegas on a Monday and reported in for work. That's and, amazing. Yeah, man, it was nuts, and it's been. Uh, that's, yeah, so. <laughs> so you had no get-
0: idea who you're flying for, who you're gonna be flying, and who you'd be flying with. All you knew is you're gonna be sitting right seat in a Gulf Stream
1: pretty much. <laughs> that's,
0: that's incredible.
1: It's, it's not, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. And, you know you what's know, funny I'm,
0: though? Even, I think every single person listening to this would do the exact same thing. They're like, Oh, you get a, a phone call. They're like, Hey, you want to, you want to hop right seat in a Gulfstream? It's in Vegas. It's like, well, I live in the East coast. Like you, can you be here in 36 hours? Yeah. Like yes, a hundred percent.
1: Yeah. I mean, you do what you got to do in this business, man. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I think the biggest lesson, uh, in it all is, There's a couple, a couple pieces of advice I would, I would pass along to to anybody about this business, man, never pass up an opportunity to be a friend of somebody and mentor them whether in whatever capacity you can, you know, uh, never look down on anybody unless you're, you're, you're trying to help them up. And so, um, you know, you just never know what, uh, what taking time to, to foster a relationship with somebody might pay off. It might not pay off for five years. Right. But man, it, it, you know, five years later, it might, you know, and in this case, that's what I love about the story is like, it's just a couple guys just, just work, you know, that were, that they were working hard to start their careers. I was working hard to start mine and, and, and uh, it just, we were good to each other. We always kind of support. We had a great group of guys there at PDK flight Academy and, and, all of which are doing great things now and and on the airline side as well as the corporate side. And and it's just a great story, man. That's, that's why I got into aviation, you know, exactly the people and the the stories.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it's funny that you said you don't like, it might be the person you meet might be five years down the road, might be 10, but it could be even further than that. I just helped one of my grandpa's friends, grandsons possibly get a job where I'm at. So it's like, that's like 80 years down the line. So and <laughs> they, they flew with each other in the military and then my dad and his son were friends and then they just kept going and he's retiring from the airlines and wants another gig. And he called me and asked me if I could help him out. So I'm trying to give him all the help I can.
1: Yeah. That's what it's all about, man. It's just, that's why that's, that's what I, I hope that, uh, if I have any in, influence in our industry, uh, as well as sharing my story and my career so far, and, and hopefully if, uh, if I can stay healthy and, and, uh, you know i'll have hopefully another 30 years of doing this it's For just sure. it's just uh you know help each other out man being a pilot it's a special thing to be a pilot like don't don't let it just become another job this isn't another job yeah this is a passion-based job and 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 uh you know it's great and it's even more fun to do it with your friends
0: yeah exactly so when did you find out who you're actually flying? When did like who? When did you meet the actual person? Because I'm sure it's uh, like I could be flying a jerk, a douchebag, you know, like all those kind of things yeah, would be going through your head.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and you know what? Like unfortunately, that's that is a reality. Uh, it was just a couple of days after I got to Vegas, uh, it all became clear. Yeah. And you know, it's 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 funny. I mean, I knew I definitely knew who he was, and I was very aware of of his existence and and uh, as an athlete, and um, obviously I was kind of like. You know, I had no experience with, with, I'd flown some celebrities before, like commentators, you know, mm-hmm. something like, uh, and, but nobody like that, I flew, you know, a couple of politicians, nobody like on that, on the, on the right. level of
0: like the people. richest yeah. athlete in all of right, right. <laughs> in all so, of the yeah, world,
1: you know, I, I was like, just keep an open mind, just keep an open mind, yeah. just be relaxed, Just keep an open mind. Just, you know, just do your job, man. Just, you don't, don't worry about things that aren't your stress. Yeah. Just do your job and, and learn the airplane, yeah. you know, learn what the guy likes. Exactly. Learn. And just do your job and and, and be consistent and uh, and that's what I did. You know, just keep it simple. And and it's again, you know. The, and then the first time I met him, it was like, you know, it's kind of surreal. It's like, well, wow, that's, that's Floyd Mayweather right there. That's, yeah. that's crazy. So, but uh, man, he was, you know, he he was. He's always been very accepting, and he's extremely respectful. He's uh, a phenomenal boss, and that's awesome. he he does right by all of us. And I mean, we have hard days, like every pilot has hard days. Some days the bear gets us, some days we get the bear. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, but in terms of a person to work for, I can't say enough great things about him. And, um, I have not shown up one day during my time with him hard or not, no matter what the mission was, what we had to do that I didn't at least feel appreciated.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. That's that's all pilots want. We want to feel appreciated. You know, it's like, you can, you can ask me to do whatever you want, but if I don't sense, uh. Like a common interest, or the fact that you appreciate me or respect me, then I'm not going to yeah. want to do this, and I'm, and I, I will do it. But obviously, because they're pilots and that's their job. But like, the, yeah. for for him to keep you there, for a corporate op- operation to keep you there for a long term, they need you to invest more than just money. They need to invest in um, working on a relationship with you, and they need to create that relationship, yeah. and sustain that relationship.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and that's something that. Uh, I I hear a lot of buzz about salaries right now in in our, in our line of work. Oh man, you know, the, the market's this, everybody needs to be getting raises across the board. and, And Hey, look, I am not saying, you know, I'm all about, we waited a long time as pilots to get to this kind of pilot economy, right? but don't get, I would encourage my, I encourage myself, don't get so fixated on any one aspect, you know, is timing is everything, especially when it comes to a race. And the, it is so important that you evaluate, would you rather make $180,000 and work for somebody that just treats you like garbage, treats you like a number or make 140 or or, or, or less, whatever it is, less, the, it's a principle. It's not even about mm-hmm. the amount. It's about the principle of, of just consider all the factors of your job, right? You know, is it really worth jumping ship over 20 grand? If you're giving up all your joy and your happiness and you regret showing up to work every day. Right. Lifestyle has a lot to do with it. Yeah. You you know, sometimes you meet these pilots where it's just like they are all about getting the next highest paid gig. They don't care about, about any, and and again, that's one, that's just a philosophy. I don't, I'm not, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying, you know, I would just encourage people to just take it slow, you know, keep an open mind and really evaluate all the, aspects of your job and and is it really worth you know if your boss is letting you stay in the best hotels and 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 takes great care of you he's fun to be around he's he's motivating to be around um he listens to you <laughs> yeah i mean is it really worth pushing and, or jumping ship and it, i just think not you know i think i think uh there's a lot more to jobs and money you know
0: yeah no i mean that's that's so true because obviously right now that money is a huge factor in where you decide to go because what is it the majors pay this the regionals pay that or this corporate place pays this but i feel like a lot of times it is lost in the thought process and switching jobs is Well, what's my lifestyle going to be what kind of boss am i going to have what kind of yeah, schedule am yeah. i going to have where it's like all you see is hey i'm just going to make 20 grand more that's more money i have in my pocket but it's like yeah but you're probably cutting off like three years of your life with all the stress yeah, that you have yeah
1: absolutely man absolutely and, and what a lot of people don't realize is you know because uh, until it's too late mm-hmm. you know is that a lot of times you know the job pays a lot more sometimes for a reason.
0: <laughs> that is and, a great point. So,
1: you know, <laughs> yeah. it, you have to you have to ask yourself, if, you, if you're going to take on all this extra stress, there's only so much gas in the boat. And so when you take on all that extra stress or you become unfulfilled in your job, you spend more time in your job, whether you're a pilot or not or an accountant, it doesn't matter. You spend so much time, more time at work typically than you do with your family. Yeah. You know, and so your family is going to suffer. Yep. you're going to suffer if you're not happy your family's going to suffer if you're not happy right you're gonna i mean it, it's going to take a toll on you and so you know i just think it's about balance man it's it's all about preservation of just balance
0: for sure uh, and it's a is there a monetary value that you can put on your time and that family strain that will be put on you with a new job yeah. or any job
1: yeah i just like i said i just think i think uh as i as i'm i'm I get more experience. I just realized it's all about the preservation of balance. And sure. and I think, I think in any, in any job as a pilot, you know, it's funny how much we actually have in common with a lot of other professions, whether you're a doctor, I think we have a lot in common with the medical profession because you, you come out, you get, whether, whether you're a CFI or not, you've got to go accumulate that time somewhere and you've <laughs> got to do it fast. Yeah. And I mean, like start talking to some some med school students about rotate about their some of the rotations and some of their stuff where they're not making any money they're working crazy hours you know just trying to get to that 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 next that next checkpoint for a better quality of life more money I mean it's it, we all have a lot of professions all have this in common right yeah. lawyers are the same way they got to go clerk somewhere they're working crazy hours they're kind of taking all, every job they can to make ends meet until they get all the, the necessary experience to have a great quality of life and and uh, and make more money and 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 so it's, it is funny kind of how much we all have in common in that regard, but being a pilot, you know, it's, it's brutal, man. You've got to go get that time. And 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 typically there's not, you know, a lot of money in it, but initially uh, yeah. but there's tons uh, you know there could be a lot of it later on but
0: it's so funny you brought up the medical side because my wife just started med school up here <laughs> so nice. it's uh it's a uh, we're yeah it's a 100 percent. it's delayed gratification what i always like to call it. it's like you're not gonna <laughs> you always That's think about term. making That's so much money term. of being a pilot or a doctor or a lawyer and it's like well and yeah and like 15 years, I'll be making like, I don't know, 200 grand. It's like the guy that yeah, I talked to yeah. that just retired on American Airlines, he said he made $480,000 his last year. And it's like, oh my gosh. But you got to remember, he's 65. And what he had to go through to get that? Oh, know? yeah! It's like absolutely that didn't happen overnight. You are not gonna graduate from flight school and start making a hundred grand. You are gonna be lucky if you are making like thirty grand. This is the first yeah. job I've had since I became a professional pilot that I've made over fifty grand, and I've been flying probably for three or four years now. You might yeah. say that that's just the choices that I made or whatnot, but. I chose the jobs that would build me the most hours. I didn't really focus on pay. I wanted to get as much time and quality time that I could to put myself in a position for the dream job that I want. So, sometimes you have to sacrifice pay like you said, for not only for what's best for your family, but also what's best for your career and your future.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's you know, it's funny like I remember going through the ranks and it was like, it's all about turbine time. It's all about turbine time. Right. And then you start getting some turbine time and you start interacting with like, you know, more experienced guys and you start realizing it's all about multi-engine turbine PIC. And you're yeah. like, God, now I gotta go after that. Now that's it. You know, there's yeah. always it's another like, checkbox. Yeah. Check. Always it's some, a, yeah. yeah then, it, then it's, then it becomes oh, it's not just about that. It's about, you know, multi-engine turbine PIC international. And you're like, Oh God, now I gotta go find yeah, that. It's, it's like, like- how am I supposed to do that? Just hire yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like Gosh. how am I ever going to get experience if you don't give me the job to go get the experience? Yeah, it's
0: like, I should have just worked <laughs> at McDonald's or Best Buy. Dang it. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, that's funny. uh, you know, that's, that, that leads me into another great point. Like I, I didn't, I had to make it a couple of points just to kind of pass along for whatever they're worth taking. or leaving for all the listeners out there. But I'm just speaking from my own experience is that one of the biggest things somebody asked me this on Instagram the other day, they're like, Oh, you know about the journey and all this, what's your favorite part of your journey? And, I think that my answer was like, I really, I really marinated on that because that's a great question. And, you know, there is no one aspect, it's all one big journey. Right. So mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that I would pass along as we talk about our stories from like, you know, our first jobs to, you know, our first jobs period to our, our first jobs in aviation and, and what they all have in common, regardless of the path we went, you know, we all had the right, the same things in mind. Uh, but really just in taking time to enjoy each stage of the process and that is something i did not do enough of i i you know i was so fixed pilots tend to really fixate man they're on the next goal and that's a natural human thing to do i think it's like yeah. oh you know you get hired at the regional all oh, you're thinking about that upgrade then you're thinking about delta or, or mainline where that's great, man. I'm all about having goals, unique goals. You know, in corporate, it's like, oh, I'm going I'm to go fly King Airs, I'm going to fly CJs or whatever. But man, I want to go fly Gulf Streams or Globals and, and I going to do it all over the world. And oh, man, that's phenomenal to have goals, man. I love, the, I love to hear people's goals. I love to, you know, I feed off other people's energy and their passion for this business. But it's like, man, I, looking back on my own journey, I'm like, I didn't take enough time to just enjoy my own naiveness. <laughs> 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 that makes any sense. I, yeah, no, it I does. Just, I, I would love to go back and, and just, Man, as a, even as an instructor with guys that want to do this for a career, just enjoy the process and take 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 time to marinate on what you're learning right now. You yeah. know, and what's what is what is good about you right now in your situation? Like, you know, it's great looking forward to the next thing all the time. But like, man, it was you make like a paper chain around your house for like your captain upgrade. Like, <laughs> oh, in 30, six days I'm going to upgrade to captain, so I'm going to go pull my pull my little you know my paper chain out. Man, <laughs> just enjoy your life, Man, like just enjoy your life. Enjoy yeah. the process. You yeah. Learn everything you can at each stage of the way. Because the problem is, if you get the upgrade and you're sitting there and training and you realize you got some holes in your foundation, uh, <laughs> that can be very stressful.
0: No, it can. <laughs> so, for sure. And you'll figure you know, that out real fast, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, just yeah. taking time because if you don't, if you don't take time to, you know, just, just kind of enjoy each stage, man, you're, you're, you're always going to be chasing the next thing and then you're going to blink and your whole career is gone.
0: That's a, a fantastic advice, and I do I do like hearing that because I I mean I am always with you like I was always like all right let me I need to build this time so I can go here now I need to go here it's like crap well now I need to get this now I need to get my yeah. multi ATP but it's like did I truly sit back and enjoy what I was doing but at the same yeah. time. You want to make sure you don't get too comfortable, and you need to light a fire under your butt so you make sure you get out of there. But there's a good balance, like we said earlier. There's a balance in everything, and in life, and being a pilot, whatever career you choose, just find that balance throughout the whole way. Sure, I, I couldn't agree more. Cool. So what's uh? Let's kind of go. What's a typical day or um flight or mission whatever you guys call them for flying uh floyd mayweather like what is a, a typical route what's a typical is it out and backs is it you're gone for a month a week two weeks what's it usually like
1: um man it, it just you know again there is no norm it's all it's uh it's very sporadic uh but we you know we have a lot of very common city pairs i mean we do a lot of the the same airports most everybody does man we're in teeterborough Opalaca, van nuys and vegas i mean those are Those are kind of our, our top big four, big four in the domestic U S. Um, you know, we don't typically venture a whole lot outside of those unless it's for appearances and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and about, it seems about once a quarter, you know, we do a big international trip. Uh, we flown totally around the world. That was a, that was a really cool experience. Uh, we do a lot of, we do a lot of heavy international, um, Floyd is a very savvy investor. He's a, he's got a lot of business all over the place. And so, uh, and he likes to vacation. He likes to enjoy, he likes to enjoy his life. And so, uh, that's how we've been out to Bora Bora and Tahiti and uh, Hawaii, nice. Bali, Maldives, Phuket. Um, so he enjoys his life, man. He works, he works so hard, you know, As he, he really does. He's yeah. always worked. And so, and he's made great decisions obviously for for himself. And and so he, he loves to work hard and he loves to enjoy his life. Perfect. That's um,
0: awesome. That's how it
1: should be. So I could, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, it, it, uh, typically we'll have, you know, um, uh, we'll have, it varies sometimes as little as, you know, sometimes we have days where we're kind of, you know, we know to be on call, we know that trip's coming. So we're in crew rest and, and, uh, we, we have some of those days. And then sometimes we have days where it's like, I know four or five days in advance of, of an appearance or a trip. And, and, and we can kind of, it's a little more, uh, a little more chill about getting everything together and, and, uh, and taking our time. Uh, it varies, you know, um, most of all the international stuff we know about way in advance. So we're able to respond to that appropriately. Um, but, uh, yeah. I, and, uh, he, we know what he likes. We know how to set the cabin. It's kind of his home <laughs> away from home. I mean, right. he's, he's, uh, we know exactly how to stage it to where he immediately gets on board and he's comfortable. And, and, That's uh, nice. yeah. yeah, he, he loves seeing the same faces up there all the time. We have a great relationship. And, and so, uh, you know, again, it's like part of flying him is, is, is being around him. And, and so uh, he's very consistent. He's always, you know, I, I can tell he's got a lot on his mind. Sometimes he never, never misses an opportunity to give us a fist bump and say, thank you. And so I, I would say that that's a, that's a part of flying him is that he always goes out of his way to make sure that he knows he's happy to see us. That's awesome. So that's a, that's another big part of it. But, uh, you know, our, we use, we utilize the airplane for all sorts of different reasons. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and it, there are all sorts of different, you know, we kind of call them missions now because it's, it's, uh, it's what
0: it is. It <laughs> is what
1: it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he has a reason, he has a reason he's going somewhere for sure. So yeah.
0: who uh, does the flight yeah. planning and stuff for you guys? Is that on you? Do you guys kind of have a, a separate company that does that for you? Or how does we that go? We,
1: we do. It's a hybrid. Uh, it's a total hybrid. So, uh, anytime, anytime we're domestic, man, you just can't beat I mean, like, <laughs> it, It's so funny. It's just so uh, user friendly. And, and, you know, I can throw flight plans together pretty quickly and, and, uh, obviously they do those nice trip sheet, passenger briefing sheets and notums, And we just kind of have that flow, you know, as soon as we get a domestic leg, we just kind of do it on our own. It's, it doesn't take long at all. Really. Uh, anytime we're international, uh, we, we utilize a universal Foxtrot team and I can't say enough about those guys. They do a phenomenal job accommodating everything we need. We've been very happy with our relationship with them, uh, for, uh to be our handlers. And, uh, so they, they typically handle anything anything international. Uh, I throw it over to them. And, and, you know, one of the big things I would tell anybody shopping around, uh, for a handling service on my, from my experience doing heavy international the last three to four years, I would say one of the, one of the things I like about Universal that I would, I would, I would encourage other people to consider is, is this person is going to be greeting me in Beijing, China? Are they a contractor of a company? Or are they an employee, a vetted employee of this company? Yeah. And one of the things I love about Universal is I know wherever I'm going, whether it's Thailand, China, Japan, uh, anywhere in Europe, the Middle East, that's a that that's 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 a vetted employee that I'm gonna be dealing with. That's somebody that that, that is that's been looked into, that I, I know I know what to expect from them. You know, they're wearing the Universal lanyard. I mean it just it's there's something nice to be said for that. And so, uh, that's one of the aspects I like about them. And you know, i've I've never I've never called them when, the, when they didn't pick up the phone. So that's you know, in such a high demand level level business as ours, yeah. you know, consistency is everything. So yeah. and that's a huge
0: um, plus when you're in the middle of another country and you need to get a hold of someone. <laughs>
1: yeah, there's something. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, one of the things I liked is they they brought me to Houston and and I got some FaceTime with the the people on the other end of the line. And you know, when you're 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 in Thailand or you're in Asia or anywhere in Asia you're you're trying to put together you know make make something big happen it's it's nice to it's nice to have that personal relationship with the people there on the other end of the phone you know that you feel like have a genuine concern for for your success and their ability to to put it all together so
0: all right AJ I always do a rapid fire question where I just have a couple of questions that just come to my mind it's usually aviation related sometimes it's not but um, you just say the first thing that comes to your mind are you ready for this it? should be fun yeah, yeah. let's do it. All right, so let's see. Are you an Android or iOS guy? iOS. What is the ugliest airplane that you've ever seen?
1: Every airplane that's Russian-made. <laughs>
0: that's that's a good I like that one. What's your favorite airplane to fly?
1: I love my G4 SP. Okay. <laughs> I, love my, I love my jet. I that's, really do.
0: That's good, as you should. It's not good when you don't like the plane. What's your favorite plane to be a passenger on?
1: triple seven yeah hands down
0: i flew 787 business class on flying standby through my dad from dfw to china so i'd have to say 787 100 percent. yeah <laughs> that's
1: ni- nice that's I, was, awesome. I was spoiled for that one
0: what's oh, your yeah. favorite city to overnight in
1: that is a comp- that is a tie between dubai and hong kong okay two of my favorite cities in the world
0: yeah i went to hong kong when i went to china it's by far my favorite city i've ever been to
1: unbelievable place to go yeah. visit it's Bel- so cool
0: What's your favorite airport food? So say like you're you're connecting to go work for Floyd and you, you got to get some food before you go. What's your go-to in the airport?
1: Well, I would be remiss if I didn't say. Now this is on this is on the corporate side of the fence, but at PDK the Downwind okay. is the be all end all of airport restaurants. They've been around forever. They make the best cheeseburger in the world, right. and they they've got a killer outside patio to sit there and watch watch uh, planes take off and land. And it's just got a great vibe to it. Love the energy. It's a, the the downwind of PDK is my spot, man. It's I'll check it out. I haven't, I haven't been there. Yeah, yeah. But job. you know what else? I uh, I was connecting through Atlanta the other day, and I had Willie's, that new like Tex Mex fast food or whatever. I guess it's new because I've never really seen them anywhere. But it was fire. It was awesome.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: <laughs> it was killer, man. That was pretty sweet. Awesome. What
0: is your favorite airport to fly into?
1: favorite airport to fly into is Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. Hey, is that because you know you're going to be staying there for a day? <laughs> That's part of it, but the uh the greeting there uh is quite is really something, you know. They uh Sebastian, the guy that owns the FBO down there, like his whole philosophy is this is your FBO, make yourself at home and you know, obviously like I've always been fortunate enough to where I was off, you know, once I got to Cabo, I was going to be there 3 or 4 days. And, like, as soon as you get your passengers off, they roll out this, like, red carpet, for the passengers at least. It's like this 70s shag red. It's hysterical. <laughs> it's legit. <laughs> it is legit 70s shag rug. Like, I've got pictures of it. It's hysterical. But, so I get a kick out of that. But then they, always, they, they, do, they, they bring your passengers this, you know, a big cooler full of Modelo and Corona and fresh-cut limes and all this sort of stuff, which is always kind of a nice touch. And then uh, once the passengers leave, they're like, "Okay, pilot, it's your turn," and you're like, "Ha ha, I'm off. You know? I'm <laughs> off. Awesome. So I can enjoy a nice cold, uh, yep. uh Pacifico and a lime, you know, while we're while we're going through customs, which is kind of funny because you're like, you're going through like their immigration with like a cold beer in your hand. You're like, you're "That's like, Welcome funny. to Mexico. <laughs> they, uh,
0: chug it really yeah. fast so you can't go yeah, flying yeah. back.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, yeah, Cabo is great, man. I love the hospitality of those people down there. It, yeah. MMSL is specifically the airport I'm talking about. It's so a fantastic uh place to fly into but you know nice. I, I like old vegas man there's just something homey about mccarran like domestic is yeah. you know typically especially if we've been gone overseas or, or whatever man you just you come depending upon which direction you're coming it doesn't matter because there's vegas you know yeah. especially at night you can see the luxor beam and all the lights and you're there like is. there she is we're home boys <laughs> we home sweet back. home yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so and it's so nice because they're always like visual one none right you're like thank you yeah
0: <laughs> absolutely that's awesome <laughs> yeah. What's the yeah. best part of being a corporate pilot?
1: Relationships, man. Uh you know, I'm sure the airline world is like this too, and you, you know you get to know people, but I just I I really enjoy just interacting with people that the very people that support us all the time every day. You know, I I enjoy dealing with our vendors. Uh I enjoy getting to know people. I I enjoy the fact that I fly with the same two other two pilots. Uh, you know, we all know each other very well. I know exactly what to expect from them. They know exactly what to expect from me. Um, yeah, I, I just think the relationships, you know, I, I, uh, I've, I've just really enjoyed it. I, I, uh, I, I enjoy kind of being hands-on in a lot of different areas. Uh, I've really like lately, you know, I've really gotten spooled up on aviation maintenance management,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: which is something that, you know, is kind of rare, but, uh, I enjoy it. I, I really, really enjoy it. And, and, uh. I've, I've really enjoyed just having been able to learn so many different areas of aviation. Whereas, in a, I think, in more of the airline track, you don't necessarily maybe have that opportunity. Um, so, I've, I really enjoyed that.
0: Right now, here's the counter to it. What's your what's your least favorite part of the corporate aviation?
1: Well, every, every corporate pilot, I feel like, is going to say the same thing, and that's schedule. You know, yeah. the, the are, there's nothing. Very seldom are we going to find a corporate job that's going to offer a set schedule like that's hard, like the airlines do. Um, you know, so I I think any corporate pilot would tell you, you know, with corporate, there's always going to be some uncertainty around your schedule and, 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 uh, but there are ways to, to, to mitigate that. And, and, um, you know, as long as you're getting good communication, you can plan around trips, and you can, you can, you know, we have a great situation with our team, man. I, 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 uh, uh, I have a great group of guys that, that, that are in our department that are flexible and we work with each other and, and and on schedules. And we all kind of say, all right, you know, who needs what this month? And, and I'll kind of sit down and take that information and write it up. And, and it just works, man, because we all support each other. And yep. so we've mitigated a lot of that and made it much more livable. That's um, cool. but yeah, you know, schedule unpredictability is always going to be the common complaint in corporate, but, uh, for sure. <laughs> absolutely.
0: All right. I got two more. What's your favorite airline livery?
1: delta man i I love i there's something just clean it's a toss-up between delta and air canada air canada's got some sharp
0: the new one or the old air canada the
1: new one with the uh, i think it's the i guess it's the new one but uh, i saw one the other day where they like do the black trim around the cockpit yeah it's sharp yeah air canada's got some got some got a great library going forward
0: for sure and the last one is what is one thing you always have to have on your person
1: while flying Outside of like we're not talking about legal documents, right? We're talking yeah, about Yeah,
0: like something you want to have, like um sunglasses or watch or iPad, iPhone, whatever.
1: I've gotta carry my JBL speaker, man. Like for <laughs> like for pre flying the plane and stuff That's like awesome. that. I mean, obviously I carry like my flashlight and my sunglasses and all that, but man, I carry a JBL charge in my bag. Like all three of us do. We all have them, and like We've got to have like some Thunderstruck, man. Like, you know, you got that 4 a.m. call out, you know, whatever. You're on a, you're departing at 4 to 5 a.m. or late at night, man. You got to have your late night coffee and we'll be, uh, it's so much fun, man. We have like a play, like a pre flight playlist, you know, we'll go through this. We got Thunderstruck, Hell's Bells, you know, we got like this, like, you know, kind of ramp up playlist and we'll be blaring it out of a JBL charge in the cabin, getting everything ready to go and getting hyped up to go fly. And it's just fun, man. But it's kind of our, it's kind of our little MO, you know. That's so really cool. Fun.
0: <laughs> so if ever hear thunderstruck, I know that you're in the, you're around the area. Yes, yeah,
1: probably us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. All right. I got a couple more questions and then we can go ahead and get out of here. Um, how many pilots do you guys usually have at one time? And do you have all, uh, do you do contract pilots? Do you have them all in house or how does that work?
1: So we have three full-time guys and we have one guy that we use uh, another uh, qualified captain that has some experience flying Floyd previously. Um, and he, he, uh, we, he's, he's just, we just utilize some contract, but he's, he's pretty loyal to us cause we're pretty consistent. Um, but really, you know, even some of the international, uh, we always will run an augmented crew. Like when we go to Asia, I'll preposition somebody in Anchorage, um, and we'll, we'll swap out or, or run sometimes a, a three man, a, a full augmented three person crew. Um, if it's a big trip, like we had a trip where we went to Bangkok, Thailand, uh, straight through. Uh, I'll take two guys out of Vegas, pre-position somebody, uh, in, uh, Anchorage and somebody in Japan, whether it be Osaka soccer in this case, Tokyo. Uh, so I'll space people out, you know, so we always have fresh pilots coming on board and we're rotating out and we do have crew rest on the airplane. So, um, but, uh, that's, that's, that's kind of how we run things.
0: That's cool. What's the crew rest in the airplane? Like it's pretty nice.
1: It's very nice. Yeah. yeah really? Awesome. nice. Yeah it's 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 good man it's, cool. it's completely sufficient for for getting getting some good rest that's awesome
0: and then uh what's one thing to so say that you guys are hiring one day and you're looking for a new pilot to fly floyd Mayweather around what would you look for most and say a resume or type of flying or just what's kind of the key things you would focus on on hiring someone
1: integrity 100 percent. uh integrity yeah. I, I you know it I'm open to a lot of, of everybody. I want to get to know a person and I want I want to see that they are so, you know the thing about pilots that I feel like a lot of people don't think about we have a interesting position because we yeah we all report to people, we all have bosses, but they're not seeing us work on a day-to-day basis. Right? I mean, we kind of in a way are off on our own, you know? Right. I mean, um so I need to know that whoever I bring in is going to do the right thing when I'm not looking cuz I'm not going to be looking. I'm not, I might not even be on the airplane. That's a great point. Um, you know, I need to know that this guy is going to, even if he messes up, he's going to tell me the truth Right. and takes an, I want to work with somebody that, that, uh, that's going to come forward and be like, Hey, you know, I, I had some oversight in this area or this didn't go well. And, and, and this is how I'm going to do this, is what I'm going to do to change it because that's what, that's what I do. You know, I, that's what I would, that's what I try to do in, in every situation when, when I'm failed to, to, uh, to do my job in some regard. And we all do cause at times because we're human, man, just bring it forward and learn. And then. Buy the beers that night for your guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> it doesn't have to. Be. You see, some some pastors cannot take any criticism right. at all. It's just you know, or people in general, just, they just really don't like criticism. They get very defensive and emotional. It's just no, nah, just just you'd be shocked just if you'll just come forward and just and just kind of own it, you know, and, yeah. and, and grow from and it, earn it, be open not, about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, and then buy buy the first round of beers and yeah. bury it, man. Like move on with your life. Like, um, but yeah, you know, just I, that's it, man. Integrity. Because you can teach people how to fly airplanes, you can. You know, I, I, you can teach people about anything, but I can't, you can't teach somebody integrity. They right. either have it or they don't. No, and, that's and true. It, it's a, it is a personal choice. And, that's very true. And so I think, uh, you can, I can take a thousand hour, a pilot with great integrity and a good work ethic and and make him a, you know, and, and give him the tools to be successful. And, uh, but you know, I, I've, unfortunately you, you a 10,000 hour guy that's on every Gulfstream ever made with no integrity, is just going to, it won't be good. And, and no matter what you do and no, so
0: i 100 percent agree
1: yeah, yeah yeah so just being a team player integrity first and, and being a team player second you know uh don't you know <laughs> and uh don't don't think because just because you're a captain or, or the chief pilot that you're not above cleaning the laboratory <laughs> i mean we all do it you know yeah. work together man work together you gotta do what you gotta do absolutely absolutely everybody everybody's going to do every job that's yeah. this required
0: that's awesome, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on. I know you're a busy man, and I know you got a lot going on. You're hanging out with the family and all, but I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, I yeah. think that people really get a lot out of it, and just how to navigate through the career. You had some really great insight, and I just really appreciate it, man. Is there anything else you want to talk about or say before we go?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think I think I had the opportunity to make most of the points uh, during throughout the podcast and, and, and answering some of your questions. I think I think the biggest thing I would just say I would just throw out there if, if you're for the listeners on the podcast is like you know listen. If you if you're contemplating making that career change, or you're been interested in aviation or, or whatever, man, I would just give you my I would just encourage you to really really find out what it is that, that you're passionate about and go do it, man. You know life is life is life is all about just happiness and joy and like if you're not fulfilled in what you're doing, man, change make a change like like you know that's the thing about I think about for most pilots is like. You know, yeah, we have days where we work, but like, man, I don't work for a living. I have elements of what I do that are work, but for the most part, like I, f- I don't work for a living. You know, I, I don't. The four AM calls—they don't really bother me right now, man. Right. I, you know, I'm so fulfilled in my job, and 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 uh, the guys I get to work with are great, and my boss is a is a great guy. Like, man, I would just encourage everybody just to, uh you know, don't don't rest until you or, and waste another day of your life doing something that doesn't fuel you a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, man, I I hundred yeah. percent agree, and I I think that yeah, you hit it spot on. Just make the change, so, do it. Yeah, that would be that yeah. would
1: be be my only other note. That's so. awesome, man.
0: Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, good luck with everything, and um, hey, man, I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Thanks again, Justin. Yeah, no
0: problem. And that is a wrap of episode number thirty nine. AV Nation, thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. As I said earlier, if you like it, please leave us a review. We're trying to get the 200 five-star reviews on iTunes. Leave us a review on Facebook. Let me know what you think of the podcast via email, pilotthepilothq@gmail.com, at gmo.com, or reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram. Also, check out patreon.com slash pilotthepilot and support the podcast to help us create the best aviation content that there is, whether it's this podcast or future endeavors that we do have. That money will go straight toward the podcast. Aviation Nation, thank you guys so much. I appreciate everything. I appreciate you guys. Happy flying and have a great day. I want to give a huge shout out to my $20 sponsors on Patreon, John McCall, Micah Maziar, and Stu Dollar. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. If you want your names in the credits, go ahead and check out patreon.com slash pilot to pilot.